Christian men who are in bondage to sexual sin will often try a lot of different things in their effort to find freedom. They'll try support groups, accountability software, weekend seminars, doing religious activities, and much more. And before Austin came to Pure Life Ministries, he was no different. He had tried many different things, but kept getting worse and worse. And then something happened. He fell in love with Jesus, and he realized that everything was going to change. Before, everything is there except the engine, and I'm trying to make this thing go somewhere. And falling in love with Jesus is like that engine being put inside the car, and now everything runs the way it's supposed to. So Jesus is filling that place where He's supplying, he's the source. I'm going to him and receiving from him what I need and what I lack. The same exact thing happened to Josh. The cross was unveiled to me in such a profound way that it allowed me to let go. Like I saw what Jesus did. I saw that he loved me. I saw that he took my place up there. And seeing that for the first time really, that allowed me to let go. That was life-changing for me because now Jesus was my desire. Jesus was what I was going after now. Hey, I'm Nate Dancer. This is Purity for Life. We're back with another episode in our series, Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom. Today's key lesson, fall in love with Jesus. That's what's coming up. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. Okay, so I've got two Pure Life staff members with me in the studio. Austin Krupp, you're a biblical counselor for our residential program. Josh, video production coordinator here at Pure Life. Thank you guys for coming in. Thanks for for having us. (laughs) Okay, so this episode is part of a series that we started back in late 2022. And the reason I developed this series is because I was thinking about men or women who had been in sexual sin for a long time, and then they really repent, right? They like change directions. And so now they're on the right track, but they still got a journey ahead of them. There's there's a road that leads to freedom, and there are some key lessons that they need to learn as they walk that road to freedom. Um, You can't take even the first step toward freedom without repentance. But genuine repentance doesn't necessarily mean instant freedom. So that's what we want to talk about, some key lessons that are that they need to know on that journey. So this is the seventh key lesson, and we're going to talk about fall in love with Jesus. And I invited both of you because I remember different times, both of you getting up in our chapel services and talking about how falling in love with Jesus was like a huge part of you learning how to walk in freedom over sexual sin. So why? That's the first question really is just why? Why do you talk about that as being so life-changing for you? For me, the reason that it was so life-changing for me was the things that I've tried before simply (laughs) never worked. I had tried self-effort, trying harder. You know how you how you fail, 
you go back into your sin and then you're like, oh, I'm never going to do this. Yeah. And you feel like, you know, I'm going to muster up some kind of resolution. I'm going to power through and I'm not going to give in this next time. But you keep on going through that cycle. And so that's why when I fell in love with Jesus, there's something that immediately just instinctively knew in me, this is it. This mm. is going to be the thing that's going to carry me. So, yeah, it's it's that thing was was what finally, I don't know, I just knew I'm home. I'm right inside now, and I'm going to have victory. Um, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I'll say, well, first of all, like what's written into like human DNA is like pursuing what you love. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. And even like the most macabre person who loves death, they're going after it because they, they love whatever that feeling gives them uh, from death. So everybody pursues what they love. And when I came into the residential program, I had no issue with realizing that my desire, my pursuit was pornography. That was my obsession. That was what I went after. Mm-hmm. And just like Austin, I did lots of things to try to stop myself from pursuing that that desire of mine. Um, I, I kind of went the religious route in a way too. I, would, I was a part of multiple support groups. I went to two different Celebrate Recovery groups. I went to a sexual addiction counselor. Um, I went to Christian bookstores to get all these Christian books on, you know, what to do if you're addicted to pornography. I bought Christian music. Those are the kind of the more religious things I did. But then I did some like things at home with with my wife. I gave her my credit cards. Um, I went so far as to distance out the mileage from our apartment to my work so she could look at my mileage and say, oh, okay, he's gone this far. He's gone farther than this. Where did he go? I marked my tires. I even set up a camera to film me throughout the day. Just all of these things um, (laughs) I set up. Wow. I was crazy. I really wanted to get out of it. I really did. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's what I why, hear, like desperate. Yeah, I was desperate. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is I wanted it. I wanted pornography, and I couldn't get out of it. It was it was destroying my life. I was in like this codependent relationship with pornography. Mm. But when I came to the residential program, I came face-to-face with Jesus. Sexual sin wasn't really talked about. It was all about the deeper life in God and developing that. And then kind of like with Austin, it was like, yeah, this is what my life is supposed to be like. Um, the cross was unveiled to me in such a profound way that it allowed me to let go. Like mm-hmm. I saw what Jesus did. I saw that he loved me. I saw that he took my place up there. And seeing that f- for the first time, really, that allowed me to let go. And then that that was life-changing for me because now Jesus was my desire. Jesus was what I was going after now instead of pornography, which is what got me into the, the program. Hmm. Yeah, so in America, I know that we associate the idea of falling in love with lots of emotions, right? And I mean, that's definitely a big part of it, for sure. But if that's all it is, then we've got a problem because our feelings just fluctuate. Um, so for you guys, when you're talking about falling in love with Jesus, and like you said, man, this is the answer. That's what's going to carry me through. What does that mean to you? To me, you know, Jesus is a rock 
that has not eroded over time where my waves of emotion just kind of crash over him. He's just, he's just always, always been steady. And as I've fallen in love with Jesus, what that means to me is I've proven him at his words, especially the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, especially as a husband and a, and a dad, I really lean on those. I've proven him by applying those to my life in those areas. I've seen his protection in my life, um, especially out here on these roads. Um, yeah. I'm amazed all the time that I make it to work. I pray every time. Yeah, uh, I get if you're on the not roads. from Kentucky, <laughs> yeah, they're narrow, they're winding, people drive crazy. Yeah, it, it, there must be angels watching over us. us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely, absolutely. So I, I've seen his protection in my life. Um, when I cast my burdens on him, he proves that he cares for me, and, and they li- they lift off of me. Hmm. Um, and I said this in our our um, firm foundations uh, yeah. episode that I did. I quoted Song of Solomon eight five, um, which is definitely a life verse for me. And I'll bring that up back up again. It says, "Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved?" Mm. Now, why is she leaning on her beloved? Is is it because she distrusts him? Is it because she doesn't think that you know he's a good protector? Uh, is she leaning into him, saying, "Oh, I got this. Mm-hmm. I don't need. I, you know, I got this wilderness thing." No, she's leaning into him because she trusts him, because she protects him, because she knows she can't do this on her own. Um, you know, Christ gives these amazing promises in the Word. Let me read some. Uh, Christ says, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst." He says, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as I have trusted in those, he's, they have been proven true hmm. in my life. So falling in love with Jesus is not this emotional thing. It's like he's being proved in my life. I trust him. I take him at his word, and he, he proves himself. Hmm. What about for you, Austin? For me, I think it's the way that I'm I'm thinking of it is in the sense of commitment, in the sense of like what you would think of a husband and a wife falling in love before they get married. But that falling in love has more to do with commitment than emotion. It's tied to who the person is. And for me, seeing who Jesus was and what he did caused um, a response to be in my heart of, out of gratitude, I want to commit my life to you. Hmm. Out of gratitude for what you've done, my life is yours, and I want to be yours, and I want you to be mine. And out of that, there comes that commitment of, I just, I'm going to live this way. And how that looks for me personally is that Jesus gets the first in everything, So the first of my day, um, the first, like I need to be intentional and I am intentional. Do I go to him first before I go to people? When stuff goes good, stuff goes bad, going to him first. And so making Jesus first in my life has been that huge, huge part of what it means for me to fall in love with him, to Mm. stay in love with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Um, so both of you are married, Josh, when you were falling in love with Dina, and Austin, when you were falling in love with Tabitha. It's like you already talked about a little bit. I think I just want to draw that out a little more. It was about them. 
It's mm-hmm. not just mainly about how you feel or what you... Well, I mean, our love can be impure and mixed, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying, it's really about them. There's something about them that just captivates you and draws you to them. And then, like you said, it's more than just feelings. It's like, in response to that, you give yourself to them. Mm -hmm. But what was it about Jesus for you guys that really captivated you? I think it was for me, his lowliness was the first thing that really captured me and undid me because, yeah, for some reason, even though I grew up in the church all my life, read the Bible regularly before coming to the program, that is one thing about Jesus I never, ever saw until I came here. Mm. And because or seeing my pride in relation to his humility, his lowliness, and his relationship to me in that pride, (laughs) coming under, serving me, washing my feet, even though I was walking over his name, even though I was dragging him through the mud, completely undid me. I did not know what to do with that. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. My religion toppled at that point, and I saw this is, this is God. This is who he is at his heart, and I want that. That is so attractive to me. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a couple of things um, when I was mulling over this question. Um, one is the grace that he offers mm-hmm. towards sinners. And I was thinking about John 8 and the woman caught in adultery, very reminiscent of many guys who come in the program. Their adultery gets exposed, and when they come in, like the evidence is surely stacked against them. I mean, they're totally guilty. There's, there's no innocence there uh, whatsoever. Um, but in spite of all that, you know, the words of Jesus to the woman, I do not condemn you, was very powerful to me. I needed that, um, that kind of grace. It was very captivating because you look at the whole scene, Jesus is trying to subvert the Pharisees' uh, entrapment of him, and they're using this woman as, as bait. They don't care about her. Um, mm-hmm. And in their subterfuge, uh, they're using her to bring her into a place where Jesus gets trapped. And so all the while they're trying to, to do that, Jesus is actually concerned with her, and he's trying to save her life in all of that. So when I put myself in her shoes, Jesus was saving me by taking my execution. And then the second thing about Jesus was that mercy that he gives, just the strength of that mercy, um, just the quality of it, the enduring quality mm-hmm. of that mercy. Mm-hmm. And to, to quote David in Psalm 23, I uh, says, Surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so that strength of his mercy to endure with me, to, you know, essentially just be with me throughout all the days of my life, all my ups and downs, I needed that kind of mercy from him. And I love that about him. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I'm thinking about as you're talking is that everything that you have said about his humility, his kindness, his grace, the power of the cross, like all of this is stuff that all of us have heard about in church. And so it's not like you're saying anything that's new. It's that what has always been taught to us became so personal and so deep and so real to you that it changed the 
the way you saw and gave you something that you'd never had before. Um, why do you think those things became so real? Like, what was it that made those truths able to make you fall in love with Jesus? The turning point in my program was when I, I prayed this prayer. I, I said, Lord, show me how you see me. Mm-hmm. And what he revealed to me, he spoke to me the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was hard truth. It was, this is who you are. You are critical. You are judgmental. You hold grudges. You're not as nice as you think you are. And my whole idol of myself was being torn down. Mm-hmm. But it got me to the place where I could actually listen. And when truth comes, the truth will make you free. And when the Lord spoke that truth to me, I didn't fight it. I believed it and I accepted it. And then all these things that I had heard in the church before, I saw them with new eyes. I heard them with with new ears. The the word actually had life uh, in it for me for the first time. Because, again, I go back to the cross, because I, I, when I came to the program, I finally realized I needed the cross. It became real for me when who I was was laid out before me. Mm. And I I guess that's the difference. Mm. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, it's kind of like I'm almost laughing because of how similar both of our stories are um, because I think that's literally the prayer that I prayed as Mm. well. Um, Lord, help me to see you, see myself the way you see me. And yeah, that was not something that I ever had prayed before um, with sincerity for sure. Sure. But the same thing, the truth coming in, I think, and revealing who I was in light of holy God did something that I had never that I'd never experienced before in church. Something about the consecrated atmosphere, something about the way that the Lord had throughout the years drawn away from me, um, the discipline that I was under because of my sin, the things, the way things were unraveling around me, um, something about that, the Lord was somehow able to have his way. I don't know how it happened to this day. You know, it's a mystery how the Lord works. But something about that, that very same thing um, of the Lord tearing down some of the things that I loved and mm-hmm. him coming into that place, mm-hmm. that was what made the difference. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, because what you guys are saying is that what you fell in love with was a man who loved you mm-hmm. right. first. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I th- I'm thinking about what you talked about with uh, the Song of Solomon, who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved Mm -hmm. man. It seems like the Christian life, at least for me, is like a descent, Mm -hmm. not a bad descent, but a descent into weakness, a descent into an understanding of who I really am apart from him, a descent into the knowledge that I really can't do anything apart from him. Yeah. Yeah. But that's when he becomes more beautiful. Yes. And more, yeah, more attractive because without that, it, I don't know, it's just our pride is so crazy yes. and then we're just like, oh yeah, cool, like Jesus, yeah, I get, you're, you're, you're great, mm-hmm. but so am I. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just, yeah. 
Yeah. You'll never fall in love with Jesus like that. No. no. Now, we spend a lot of effort, you know, Paul says, when Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in your weakness. That's like, who thinks that way? Really, right. in right. today's in today's church, n- nobody really really thinks that way. What you're saying is that coming down, it's like, yeah, really, just getting to the place where I'm leaning into Jesus for absolutely everything, mm. and just trusting in His grace as being sufficient for all my needs. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you guys already talked about how love is not just this strong current of emotions that's always there and that that's why you don't give in to temptation is because this surge of emotions is just constantly keeping you above the power of temptation. What is it then that God did in you that helps you continue to be faithful to him even when those you know feelings aren't there? Yeah, um, what uh, always comes to mind for me is there was this verse that the Lord specifically gave me in the program, and I don't know, it's maybe not exactly in the context of everything, but it really spoke to my heart. In the Old Testament, I actually don't know the reference to this. I'm sorry, I should have looked it up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that David says to Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son, the royal son, the prince of the kingdom, the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. Um, David is this no one, nobody, Mm. this shepherd. So in a way, Jonathan is a type of Jesus. But David says to Jonathan, your love is better to me than the love of women. Mm. And I just, it instantly connected to me something in my heart that, wow, I can love Jesus and and I can have that kind of a a relationship with Jesus, that that can be real for me, that Jesus' love is better than the love of women. Mm. That thing that I was always seeking for, that void inside Mm. that was always empty and that I was trying to fill with love from other sources now is being filled with love from Jesus. Mm. It's like almost like Jesus, like before there's the car, uh, if you want to say like in my religious experience, like everything is there except the engine and I'm trying to make this thing go somewhere. But Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is like that engine being put inside the car and now everything runs the way it's supposed to. So that's good. Jesus is filling that place where he's supplying, he's the source. I'm going to him and receiving from him what I need and what I lack. So that's what that means for me. Hmm. Um, I'll say that kind of what keeps me anchored is, well, okay. So Pastor Steve is the president of this ministry, whether I like it or not, and I like it. I like Pastor Steve being being the president and the boss and everything, but he's there whether I like it or not. Uh, we're all in uh, jobs. We're under authority structure that have nothing to do with our emotions. They are where they are. Hmm. Um, and when I came into a relationship with Jesus, it is this one-on-one intimate fellowship thing 
that's one part of it. But another part of it is I'm coming into this authority structure. Um, it's not just the benefits. My relationship with him is also cemented in the fact that I'm bought with a price. Like I'm not my own. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that I'm not my own, uh, I'm bought with a price, that is what you know mm. keeps me connected with the Lord, whether I, you know, I'm feeling anything or mm. not. It's that authority structure is there and I'm just yeah. submitting to it. Yeah, mm. I I inserted benefits before you kind of spoke. I think I understand better what you're talking about. Like the cross is not just forgiveness. Right. The cross brings you into a relationship mm. with a king. Right. And so That's I don't it. get to just yeah. do what I want to do right. because I got forgiven. Right. Yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, so you know, any relationship requires time and attention and you got to just keep it up. It gets stale if you don't give time and attention. Like you talked about, Austin, just first. You make him first. Um, But like, are there things that you do that keeps that, I don't know, that relationship with him clear and, and fresh? Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude, confession, repentance, whatever it is that where I'm at right now (laughs) in relation to who the Lord is and to what the truth is, when I come into alignment with that, that's what keeps things fresh for me. So yeah, like sometimes I'll go through a season, maybe, I don't know, maybe sometimes a week or so, um, where I'm just kind of clueless to what's going on inside of me. Maybe there's like a little seed of like bitterness or like hardness toward the Lord of like there's hard things going on in my life and I'm kind of resenting him for that where it's just kind of under the surface but not really there. And I realize, oh, my relationship with the Lord is kind of getting distant. And which, by the way, <laughs> that's a real clear sign for me. Okay, something's wrong. I'm not aligned right with truth. So, you know, how that would look like for me is like, okay, Lord, what's going on in my life? So then maybe he might send a brother. He might give me a scripture. Something through my quiet time might reveal like, oh, wow, I've been building up this resentment. So in that case, repentance, man, like talk about experiencing refreshing times from the Lord is when I see that and I actually turn, then that fresh flow of life and love and intimacy with Jesus can come right back. Mm. So that's one specific way. I also make it a very, very intentional thing in my quiet times when I come to him in the morning is to just be real, to be real with Jesus. That's Mm. one of my commitments is I'm not going to try to put a religious show on for you. This is who I am, and I want to meet with you. Like that's my main goal here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to study, but I want to meet with you. And that's how I start my times, and I've found that that keeps that connection there. Yeah. Okay. How is that different from before, maybe? Like, because you prayed before mm-hmm. at some level. Yes. You know, certainly. I'm not saying like you were this mighty prayer warrior, but like, right. you know, mm-hmm. you yep. grew up in church. So you pray, yep. 
you read the Bible. So like, how is this different from that? When you say, when I pray and when I read the word, I want to meet with a person, mm-hmm. not just put on a religious show. Yeah. I think what it mainly for me has to do with is my posture, the posture of my heart. Um, humility is what brings me into that, where before that was not not at all what I was doing my quiet times for, which was selfish reasons, like I want to be free from sexual sin, I just or like I want to be able to say, you know, I've had X, Y, and Z amounts of quiet time this week when my pastor asked me, or something like that. There was no real humility for me in coming to the Lord, no genuineness, no sincerity there. No desire f- for Him. Yeah, for Him personally. There was nothing like that. It was so much so it was just for me. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, two things that I do to try to keep things fresh. One's kind of more of a mental thing. The other's a little more practical. Okay. Um, the first, and it's going to sound like I, I'm self-condemning all the time, but I'm not. I, I always have this <laughs> thing in the back of my mind. Well, I'll say the a perfect picture of what my life was, was Smeagol transforming into Gollum. Um, I've only seen the movies, so... I don't want to make any purists <laughs> upset if that's not how the book went. Yeah, they're like, click. <laughs> so, um, so from the movie version, it's a very accurate portrayal of what I went through. You know, when you first, in Return of the King, when you first see Smeagol, he's like a normal guy. Mm-hmm. He's just out fishing with his friend. And then, you know, when when him and the ring cross paths for the first time, like you see it immediately, like something happens inside of him, something hooks in him, this immense hunger, desire for it happens immediately. And that's that's what it was like with porn. Like when I first saw it, yep. I was like, what is this? Yep. I want it. You know, something hooked me uh, immediately. And then very rapidly, you see the links that he was willing to go to get that ring, to get his precious, right? He, he, was, he killed his friend. Um, I remember all the links that I went to get pornography. I, I lied. I, you know, I snuck around the house in the middle of the night, you know, I was up late or got barely any sleep or didn't sleep at all just, just to get my pornography. I would, I stole to sell things to get the porn. I would drive three hours to get it. You know, nothing really could stop me. And so, you know, Smeagol started off as this kind of relatively normal guy, but giving into that obsession all the time over, what was it, 500 years, they, they say, like, it corrupted him, and he was barely recognizable, you know, as a hobbit person. That's kind of like how I was, just giving into my obsessions all the time. I had become barely recognizable to, to myself, really, you know. Sure. I was putting up the front to everybody else, but inside I was like, who is this guy? And so I say all that to say that that's in the back of my mind of who I used to be. That's who I was. But then when Jesus entered into my life and offered me mercy, offered me forgiveness, offered to be with me till the end of the age, offered himself to me, that changed me, and that was 16 years ago. And I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that golem creature uh, that I was when I walked into the residential program. So I just... I have that in the back of my mind, but I don't like, I'm not condemning myself. No, I hear you. I think it's just like David said, right? In Psalm 103, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget his benefits. Like, right. Who's redeemed us from all of our iniquities. I mean, that's just mm. very real. You're always remembering what he did for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the second thing is exactly what Austin was saying, that gratefulness and that, that thankfulness. And I make that a habit in my life to just be thankful for the little things. I'm trying to teach my kids, like, be thankful for this. Be thankful for that moth. Be thankful for your homework, you know, trying to develop that that gratitude mm. uh, in their life. And so that's that's kind of what I try to do mm-hmm. uh, as much as I can Yeah, is be thankful. Okay, last question. So I don't completely understand this. There are times, though, when you just feel disconnected, separated from the Lord, and you just can't exactly figure out why, you know? What have you learned? What what has the Lord taught you by going through some of those periods where the love that you really just want for Him doesn't seem like it's there? Well, I'll piggyback off of something that, that Austin said at the, the last question, because um, that's when I've, you know, experienced that faintness uh, of my relationship with Him. Um, Many times it's just because I've put Jesus on the shelf. Hmm. And it was kind of like I was thinking of, again, Song of Solomon, the Shulamite girl in chapter 5. She hears her beloved knocking at the door. She's in bed. She hears him knocking on the door, say, open up to me. And what is she doing? And I'm going to paraphrase. She's like, wah, I just got into bed. This is so comfortable. Man, do I have to get up like right now? Hmm. It's just, you know, I, I want what I want. I'm nice and cozy. I'm nice and comfortable. And I can kind of get like that with the world and, you know, mm-hmm. just find find all my pleasure. Um, yeah. Find a lot of my pleasure. Not all of it, but a lot of pleasure and time. Yeah. yeah. Spend a lot of time with the world. And mm-hmm. so then she realizes, she gets up and she realizes, I, I got to get up and I got to meet, um, meet my lover. And then she can't find him. But then she starts recalling what made him so beautiful, what what made him so attractive to her. And then it says in chapter 6, verse 2, she remembers where he is. She says, my beloved has gone down to his garden to pasture his flocks in the gardens. And so, you know, when I get to that point, I repent and I, I let go of the worldly stuff and I get back to working the way that Jesus would work. And, you know, getting back into his yoke, getting back into his attitude, getting back into his mindset, that's what will take that faintness away. But and then, then again, like you said, that faintness is just kind of mysterious at times. And for me, I've learned in those times to wait on the Lord because there's been so many times where I've been in that, that place and he's always been at the end. He's always been there when I least expect it, really. And so out of all the times where I've had that faintness, he's taught me to just, just wait on him. He's going to get me to wherever he wants to get me, and I might not know what's going on, like in Jeremiah or the... The, the clay is on that potter's wheel, and the clay is just like spinning around, not knowing what's going on, but the, the hands of the potter is always on, always shaping, always forming. Yeah, so it's like it's like two different lessons. Like the one is, okay, if I'm drawing from other sources, then that's really going to create that faintness, and I need to get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. But then that other side is just sometimes you're just like he wants us to want him. I think he's he, and he's doing something in those times mm-hmm. yeah. that we don't totally understand. Like it feel, it feels to us like, why are you doing this? Why are you pulling away from me? Mm-hmm. But 
we just his ways are very mysterious, but they're very good. Mm-hmm. And he's doing something in those times. He's creating a stronger bond with him than maybe we we just. It's hard to see it in the moment, Yes, what he's doing, mm-hmm. but he's doing good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we remember that God is sovereign and in control of everything, mm. that will help us get through those, those faint times because Psalm 27, 13, uh, and 14 says this, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he's looking past where he is right now. I would have despaired if, unless I had remembered or believed that I would see uh, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's very encouraging. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, so something that I'm very familiar with this sort of thing, as I think every Christian is, <laughs> there are seasons when the Lord just withdraws and it can really send you for a loop. It's sent me for many loops and <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. It is not fun. But something that I keep coming back to that has anchored me, and I just thought about this, um, or these couple verses in Deuteronomy 8, where Moses is talking to the children of Israel and he's telling them, um, well, I'll just read this here. Verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Wow. And that's just kind of been an anchor for me in those times when the Lord withdraws from me. Um, That's always what's happened. (laughs) He's very, very lovingly intentional with these things. He's not like a negligent parent or a negligent king who's just going off and doing his own thing and leaving us. There's a very specific purpose when he does that. And... What I've gotten from it is that Jesus becomes so much more precious. His word becomes more precious. Where before, you know, let's say in the program, I experienced a sort of honeymoon phase of falling in love with Jesus where everything was so amazing. Right. I was on top of the world, like cloud nine, you know, me and Jesus. It was amazing. But what happens in these times is where the Lord actually takes you deeper. And the question I hear him saying or asking me is, do you really want me? All these emotions, they're great and you love them, but (laughs) do you want me, just me? Am I enough? The manna (laughs) every day, the word of God, you have it. Mm -hmm. Is that enough for you? And, oh, that's a searching question for me. And I haven't walked perfectly in that, in those times. But I can tell you what, (laughs) the Word of God has become so much more real and so much more precious to me during those times um, Mm. when he withdraws. Mm. Yeah, I think that I like what you said. Those questions are very searching because the Lord knows 
whether or not what we really want is him, just him. And I think the truth is we can say sort of like Peter said, you know, when he failed, Lord, you know. Hmm. Like that's what I really want, Hmm. but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Like there's still things in me that yearn for other things. There's still times that I go astray and I need my heart to be purified. I, I need a purer love, a deeper commitment, a more trusting attitude toward you in everything. And that's what he's doing. And really, when we get to heaven, that's what we're going to have is him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Not like it's not going to be like playland where I get mm-hmm. everything that I want and then, oh, Jesus yeah. is like somewhere and yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's really about him. Yeah. And so he's teaching us how to really have that love now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Man. Yeah. All right. I really appreciate you guys coming in and talking about this. And we just pray that what is shared really spurs people on toward that pursuit, a deeper pursuit of just Jesus. Amen. Yeah, amen. All right, that's it for our episode. And if you haven't already heard, we're going to be hosting a live stream sexual sin Q&A for men. So if you'd like to hear Steve Gallagher and the rest of our leaders give solid biblical answers to really common questions about sexual sin, please plan on joining us. The date for that event is Saturday, November 11th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it will be hosted live on our YouTube channel. We're praying for this event, and we're hoping to see many of you there. God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.